So just for the sake of completion in this last session, I'd like to end our tour of the four Brahma Vihara practices by at least introducing the last one, which is upekka or equanimity. And equanimity is not a word that's used much in English anymore, but it basically means balance of mind, steadiness, equipoise, composure, profound non-reactivity. And in my arrangement of the four Brahma Vihara as points of a diamond, equanimity is at the top because it's the pinnacle, the summit of all of these qualities. And it's what arises when we're equally open to the joys and sorrows of life. And I put it at the top of the diamond because the Pali word upeka also literally means to look over, to be in a position to see the bigger picture instead of perhaps our more habitual tendency just to be caught in our own small and narrow self-centered view of the world. So equanimity has a very direct connection with seeing clearly, with insight, with wisdom. And there's a quality of spaciousness and expansiveness to it. So one analogy that I use for this is, I don't know if you had this experience of perhaps hiking, hiking up a mountainside. And maybe at first, at least if, we're, if you're in New Zealand, you might be slogging through the undergrowth and it's dense and you can only see a few meters in front of you. But after a lot of uphill effort, some point we get above the tree line and then all of a sudden we can see out of the whole countryside. We can see where we came from, from a whole new context, a whole new perspective. And when we come above the tree line, that for me, there's a sense of sudden openness and expansiveness. I'm not stuck in my own narrow viewpoint anymore. And that shift of perspective can feel like a moment of, of freedom. So there's another analogy for equanimity that might help flesh out the different aspects of it. We can think of it as being like the keel of a boat. So many years ago now, I had a chance to live on board a broken down old wooden yacht, a sailing boat in Western Australia. And this boat was a bit of a wreck when my friend and I bought it together in a bit of naive enthusiasm. We actually thought we were going to fix it up and sail across the Indian Ocean to Africa, but that didn't happen. Anyway, the point of the story is the water this boat was out of the water when we bought it and it was propped up in a boatyard, totally unsailable. And we spent many months fixing it up so we could sail it. And one of my tasks was to sand down and to repaint the keel, which is a massive piece of lead and it weighed one metric ton. And to me, that seemed like a lot of weight for a pretty small boat. It was just 10 meters or 30 feet long. But once we finally got the boat in the water, I understood why it needed that weight underneath. Because sometimes, depending on the conditions, the wind, the waves, the sails brought the boat leaning really hard over into the water. But it was the weight of the keel that stopped it from completely capsizing. It was also the weight of the keel that made it possible to steer the boat through the waves and the wind and the current, because without it, it would have just bobbed about on the surface of the sea. 
So I think of equanimity as being like that keel, like the boat was subject to the changing conditions of life, the winds, the waves, the tides, the ocean currents. But it's the weight of equanimity, the keel, that lets us navigate through them without flipping over, without flipping out. Now, at times, when conditions are strong, we might still really lean hard over. But thanks to the keel, we don't capsize, we don't sink. So equanimity has this quality of stability. It gives us a capacity to respond rather than react. And in that distinction between responding and reacting, the difference is that I think of reacting as being a habitual knee-jerk, semi-conscious responses to situations. Whereas responding is coming from a place of spontaneous wisdom. And it's often supported by all four of the Brahmavihara qualities. So I've paired equanimity with the energetic quality of release. Because equanimity comes from releasing all forms of reactivity. So we're no longer caught in the grip of clinging, of craving, of resisting experience. And crucially, we're no longer identified with experience. We're not taking it personally. We're not having it define me, define who I am. So again, we see a connection between equanimity and insight into non-self. Now, that's another huge topic. We're going to have to save that for another day, unfortunately. But what I want to point to now is that the release of reactivity is what supports equanimity to arise. And also, release is what equanimity feels like energetically when those reactions have come to an end. So I'm guessing you've had the experience in your own life of maybe being completely caught up and consumed by a particular issue or situation, a challenge, a life drama, and this situation just was gripping your attention. You couldn't stop thinking about it over and over and over. But at some point, some kind of wisdom kicked in and you were able to see what was happening more clearly. And perhaps the whole drama just released, evaporated. And then you found yourself with that experience of relief, release, ease, peace. And these are all aspects of equanimity. However, of the four Brahmavihara, this one is perhaps the most easy to misunderstand and the most challenging to practice. It's subtle, it's deep, and sadly, it's also a quality that generally is not valued by mainstream society these days. And because it isn't valued so much, it can feel less accessible than the other heart qualities. So it can be easy to misunderstand equanimity. It's, it is non-reactivity, but it is not non-responsiveness. So sometimes people think they're supposed to try and make themselves come into this state of a flat, blank, non-engagement with life. But that's not true equanimity. It's more the near enemy of what we can think of as denial or repression or apathy. 
So on a superficial level, it might sound as if equanimity is getting us to shut down our natural responses. But it's actually, when it's true equanimity, there's an aliveness and a clarity and a subtle, refined energy to it. Now, just to acknowledge, there is a little bit of a trap with equanimity in particular that can be quite seductive. On an intellectual level, it can seem like it's giving us relief from afflictive emotions. And perhaps, especially in the beginning of our Dharma practice, we might try to convince ourselves that we're in equanimity and use it as a kind of deluded escapism or kind of defense against having to feel our unpleasant and messy emotions. So we might tell ourselves, I'm just being equanimous, when actually we're stuffing our genuine reactions, we're in denial of the underlying afflictive emotions. This was true for me early in my own practice. And it took me a little bit of time to be able to recognize between what I think of as fake equanimity and the real thing. My intellect was pretty good at convincing myself, everything is fine, I'm just abiding in equanimity. And actually I was suppressing and denying all kinds of painful emotions. But what helped me to distinguish between them is the body. And again, this is why we put so much emphasis on what I'm calling body literacy. When I tuned in to what was happening in the body, the energetic quality of the body, when it was fake equanimity, there was a kind of a flatness, a numbness, a stiffness, a hollowness, even a deadness. But when I was in genuine equanimity, there's a subtle vibration and warmth that's missing with the, the fake equanimity, the near enemy of equanimity. So true equanimity is a very refined form of responsiveness. It sees clearly what's going on and it knows an appropriate response. So again, there's a close relationship between equanimity and wisdom, particularly the understanding of impermanence, which as you know, is one of the key insights of insight practice, directly knowing the truth that everything changes. However, without that orientation to impermanence, most of us, I think, have a tendency to want to fix things. We want to fix other people, we want to fix ourselves. And I'm using fix in both senses of the word here. So fix as in to mend, to repair, but also to make fixed and static and unchanging. So one key aspect of equanimity is being able to let go of this tendency to want things to be different, to let go of wanting things to be permanent if they're pleasant, wanting them to be impermanent if they're unpleasant. And another image that's used a lot in the suttas to convey this steadiness is the image of a mountain. A mountain is unaffected by whatever weather systems swirl around it. Wind, rain, snowstorms, thunder, lightning, sunshine, all of those move around the mountain and the mountain remains steady. In a similar way, the sky is also unaffected by any of the changing weather conditions that pass through. And the mind is like, can be like that. When we're in equanimity, 
we know those constantly changing weather conditions, but we're not disturbed by them. So just for reference, some of the traditional phrases that we use for equanimity highlight the truth of impermanence. So here are a few examples from some Western insight teachers. So Jack Cornfield, may I learn to see the arising and passing of all things with equanimity and balance. Sharon Salzberg, may I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. And Kamala Masters, may I accept and open to how it is right now, because this is how it is right now. And in that last phrase from Kamala, notice how she says, this is how it is right now. So she's pointing to the truth that everything changes. So it's not, oh, this is how it is, with a kind of defeated resignation. We understand, yes, this is how it is right now. And by implication, it will change. So in the guided meditation I'll offer in a minute, I'm just, I'm not going to use the phrases um, too intensively. I'll just occasionally drop in this one phrase from Kamala as a reminder. But mostly I'll be inviting you just to tune in to that non-reactive aspect of equanimity to see if you can directly experience the release of clinging and resisting and to taste the peace that comes as a result, even if it's just temporary from letting go of all forms of reactivity 